listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. The testimonials appearing in this podcast reflect individual experiences and individual results may vary. Cardinal Health does not claim, nor should the listener assume, that any individual experience recounted in this podcast is representative of what another consumer may experience. The Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast in collaboration with Pharmacy Podcast Network is for independent pharmacists to learn about the state of the industry, innovative services and solutions, and the future of pharmacy. Join me, your host, Jason Calori, for conversations with pharmacists, Cardinal Health leaders, and industry experts sharing best practices, discussing industry trends, and showcasing Cardinal Health products and services. You can subscribe to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast. I'm your host, Jason Calori, and today we are talking about the Drug Supply Chain Security Act, or DSCSA, which outlines steps to achieve the electronic tracing of products at the package level to identify and trace certain prescription drugs distributed in the United States. Now, today we want to take a deep dive into what you, as the independent pharmacist, needs to know about all of it. And to do that, we have a special guest, Morgan McCullough. She has been at Cardinal Health for 12 years in various customer-facing roles. She is currently the Director for Customer Account Management and supporting the customer onboarding for DSCSA. Uh, the work stream focused on all the activities impacting our customers regarding DSCSA. And obviously, Cardinal Health's obligation to you, our customers, and assisting them to be ready and compliant come November. Welcome to the show, Morgan. How are you? Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So did, I think I covered most of it on the intro here. I think I, <laughs> I, I, did, I did a little research and just trying to learn myself, but uh, let, let's learn. Let's, let's, you know, let's dive into this. What, what is DSCSA and uh, what are the requirements as, you know, we're just kind of getting into this today? Yeah. So, um, you know, you may have heard of it referred to historically as track and trace. This actually was signed back into law in 2013. So we've had a 10 year timeline with various milestones to, um, you know, build up until this November 2023 final stage, I guess, if you will, um, really trying to provide the visibility within the supply chain the entire way through. So when you think about a product being manufactured, shipped to Cardinal Health, Cardinal Health shipping it to the customer, having that visibility for each specific product is really the goal for this entire regulation. So when is Cardinal Health going to begin, you know, or begin doing to meet these requirements? And, you know, when when are we going to begin and you know helping customers and meeting these requirements for this legislation once it kicks in in November? Uh, when will they be doing this? When when do you think that's going to come down the pipeline? Yeah, so Cardinal has actually been actively working on because there are so many changes that are coming. So some activities obviously not limited to, but some major callouts. And I know we'll probably go into a lot more detail as I start throwing out some acronyms here. But um, <laughs> gotta <laughs> love it. Gotta love the acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I've learned a lot through uh, DSCSA. Not gonna yeah. lie. Yeah. So really looking at um, some of the key ones. So you know, working through creating GLNs, 
which is the global location number, establishing connections uh, with our trading partner. So how do we actually share that data, you know, from the manufacturer to Cardinal, then, you know, Cardinal to the customer. <clears throat> Also, you know, we've been working with our suppliers, probably 500 or so with, you know, setting up those connections. Um, we're preparing our distribution centers and a lot of IT work has been, you know, going on in the background, making sure that we can support all the data and making sure that, you know, we're obviously in compliance and, you know, passing along that information to the customers that they'll need to also be within compliance. Um, you know, we're also making sure that our, you know, our DCs are staffed accordingly because there's a lot of new processes that are going to be coming our way and making sure that they're trained, you know, and have the, the resources that are needed. Uh, we're developing some exception process handling that we'll talk about a little later on, I'm sure. We're building, you know, communication strategies for our customers, knowing that that's imperative as we work through, you know, it's, it's going to be here before we know it. So making sure that we are lock and step with our customers is is vital right now. Um, we have dedicated teams, you know, working through the various components of this, and you know, participating still in industry events. So a lot of activities going on right now. Um, a lot of it in the background, but I think now is when the customers will start seeing a lot more communication and a lot more activity, um, you know, originating from Cardinal in tracking these products what what goes into that when we look at you know how this is going to work the manufacturer is adding a serial barcode number 2d barcode so okay. that transact that date that barcode is going to house you know some transaction data what cardinal is going to so we're going to receive that data from the supplier we'll also be scanning that product as we receive it into our inventory then on the outbound, when we are shipping to the customer, we will be scanning that to provide that data to pass it along to the customer. So they will have that serial, the serialization number, the lot number, the expiration, and that will, you know, that will go through two different processes depending on what the customer preference is. So how they receive that data will be their decision, um, but it will be it. It will be at a package level. So we will be scanning every piece that goes out of Cardinal Health. Okay, so pharmacists get to choose exactly how they receive all this information. Now, what happens now? I would imagine there's some uh, you know, some software attached to all this. What happens if a pharmacy does not have the system capabilities to accept uh, these, these types of information, these messages? How do we get them or how do they get set up for that? Yep. So a customer, they can receive this data two different ways. So um, if you look at it from your question standpoint, <clears throat> we we will have the data available through a web portal. So, you know, pharmacists can sign in, access it and see the NDC number, you know, with the invoice that they're they're receiving potentially right then, or if they need to look at it, you know, a couple of days from now, or if, you know, there's some sort of audit, they can go into this portal and access the data if they're not set up for EPCIS, which is Electronic Product Code Information Services. Oh, more acronyms. Very yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> so 
As far as the rollout goes, now you said, uh, in effect, November 27th. As far as what immediate products that will be able to be tracked and traced on launch, is there an immediate scope of items that will be ready for this? Or is it going to be just, you know, worldwide, everything that, that, you know, that's under, you know, the umbrella? Or is it a gentle rollout with scopes of product, different scope of products, as we go along further in the months and years? Great question. So right now, the DSA, DSDSA will, um, as of November, it will be all products within scope. So that will be all prescription drugs that are in finished dosage form for human use. So right now, there's no plan for you know a gradual rollout. It will be all items. All items. Okay, so right away off the bat, this will be everything that could be used by, as you said, I kind of like for human use. <laughs> yes, did you catch that? <laughs> I caught that. So for human use, so that means no dogs, cats, or aliens. No, we can't. Uh, exactly. Any, any UFOs, you can't get any of this stuff. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's dive into a little bit of customer impact and preparation. So. What what are the three? Now I, I kind of read that there are going to be three main changes that are going to go into effect November twenty seventh. Can you kind of cover that a little bit? Yep. So when we think through the you know the customer impact and really what's going to come into play in November that you know we're all preparing for is one is sharing the transaction data. So Cardinal will be sending this DSCSA transaction data whether you're utilizing EPCIS or the web portal and how the you know the customer is going to be able to access that data. The next piece would be the returns verification. So if you have a product that you need to return to Cardinal Health, Cardinal is now required to verify the serial number as well as the product um, to confirm that Cardinal did in fact sell that product to that specific location. So a little bit of a change um, compared to what it is today with just you know looking for an invoice number with that item that you wanna return against, mm -hmm. the serial number will now be a requirement um, in order to, to do a return for a, sell, a sellable product. And then there's the third piece of it where there's a verification slash investigation. So if there is suspect product um, that requires an investigation or product to be put on hold, there's a process of, you know, obtaining that information and the steps that, you know, will have to be followed by not only the dispenser, but also the manufacturer, you know, at the heart of this regulation is truly making sure that the product you know, is 100% um, within the guidelines <clears throat> coming from the manufacturer, um, you know, and just really trying to make sure that we're, we're having the safe supply chain um, integrity. So if I'm a customer and I'm hearing this for the maybe, maybe not the first time, but just trying to digest all this, how, as an independent pharmacy, can I prepare for these changes? What, what, are the, what are the best steps to do that? 
Yeah. So right now, um, you know, I would definitely recommend not waiting until November. <laughs> so there's going to be <laughs> a lot of things that are, you know, coming up and it'll be here before we know it. So one thing uh, that you will hear about are GLNs and these, the global location number, these are actually um, being created by GS1 and the wholesalers are obtaining these for retail independent pharmacies that have less than nine ship to locations. So um, that process is already in place. We're actually finalizing that list here, it should be done by the end of April. And then we will be sharing that GLN number with our retail independents. So um, obtaining that is you know, a key step because we will need that. Every account does need a GLN to receive product from Cardinal Health. So how does a customer get a GLN if they don't have one? So it's a it's a process that um, you go through GS1 to create. It's a 13-digit okay. number. Um, the wholesalers are actually taking on that activity for retail independence. So this GLN number is not wholesaler specific. So if Cardinal sets it up, um, it'll be that same number for whatever wholesaler a retail independent uses. It is not right. unique to just a Cardinal Health number. Okay, well that this makes sense. Industry that, yeah. number. Yeah, yes. that makes that makes sense if you're utilizing different, you know, avenues of getting products into your pharmacy. That, so that totally makes sense. Um, now, in in the spirit of not waiting until the last minute, <laughs> <laughs> what, what happens if you don't have a GLN number set up by November twenty seventh, like like everybody should? <laughs> Um, that will impact product being uh, shipped from Cardinal Health. So in order to receive deliveries from Cardinal, every customer will need a GLN. Okay, so everyone okay, so everybody will need one. So if you don't have one set up, then I mean, is there any penalty or what happens? You will not get a delivery from Cardinal Health. <laughs> <laughs> so um you know, again, with it being retail independence, Cardinal is doing that step for them. So we will be setting those up and we will be sharing that number. They will also be visible on the paper invoices. So they will have that number um, for reference, but we will be sharing that in case, you know, they need it for any other um, activity that is related to DSCSA, if there's, you know, a suspect product and they need to provide their GLN to the FDA, then they have that on, on file. So that's, you know, probably the biggest um, first step is getting that GLN out to the retail independents so they do have it and, you know, get used to hearing it and being referenced. Uh, the The other thing that I would say is, really making the decision on how the transaction data, how they're going to um, receive it, if they will use EPCIS or if they will use the web portal. So if there's um, you know any work that needs to be done there, I would say you know having that, that part figured out as early as possible, because if they do decide to go through EPCIS, there is some connections that need to be set up, some testing that won't begin until July. So, mm -hmm. you know, basically it's 
the earlier the things that can be done, the better, um, just because we don't want, you know, any any negative impact to our our customers and our, our patients at the end of the day. So on top of that, you also have the HIN, which is the health industry numbers. Um, so you, you have that, and then now you have the GLNs. Is there, is there a difference between these two, these two identifiers? Yeah, so the HIN, you know, it is a standardized identifier um, for healthcare. It cannot be used with EPCIS. So the FDA has recommended that the GLN be utilized, and that is why we now have a GLN and why mm -hmm. it is different than the HIN. Okay. So, all right. So let's let's kind of get into the time has come. It is November. All the pharmacists have done their due diligence. They are set up. They are ready to go. Now let's get to the responsibilities of the pharmacist. So once all this kicks in, what, what is the, the impact on the pharmacy as, as far as their responsibilities? What are their responsibilities going to be going forward after these changes go into effect on November 27th? Obviously, you have tracing. You have ver verification that you mentioned. Let's go into a little bit of those. Yep. So tracing is really, you know, it's going to be used to support any illegitimate recall product investigations. So obviously not something that we want to, you know, have to <laughs> utilize, but yeah, yeah, for know, sure. <laughs> it's where we're at. So, um, you know, making sure that they are dispensers are expected to respond with transaction information or mm -hmm. transaction statements that they receive. Um, they can be asked, or these requests may come from the FDA or the state board of pharmacies. Um, they would be able to utilize the Cardinal Health portal to obtain this um, and you know get that serialized transaction data, but. This would be something that they, the the dispenser, the pharmacy would have to do. This is not something that Cardinal could do on behalf of them. So it would have to, you know, fall on the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in terms of verification, so when you think through, you know, receiving a delivery, um, you know, checking to see the the barcode is on the on the package um, that those checks will be done obviously as cardinals receiving and scanning outbound but um you know making sure that when we are doing these investigations you know verifying the lot number um the product identifier and depending on that investigation at least three packages or 10 percent of the suspect product whichever is greater has to be reviewed okay. so you know making sure that the that they have a process in place you know to support these investigations to support these audits and questions that they can get from whether it's the fda or the board of pharmacy um and really incorporating that into their their day-to-day -day operations, you know, whether it's when they're receiving the product, um, you know, when it's if they get a request, if there's, you know, questions with the data, um, really just making sure that they're aware of understanding that 
verification and tracing responsibility when it comes to an investigation suspect product. So we've talked about receiving, we've talked about maybe the investigations into a suspect product. How does this impact returning of products? Right. So returning um, is definitely going to be a change. Um, we will only be able to accept a return into sellable inventory if we have sold that item, that serial number to mm -hmm. the customer. So we are doing that, that validation to say, yes, we, sh we have a record of selling that serial number to that specific location. Um, Another number or acronym, the G10, so the global trade item number will be something that we're checking that will um, include the serial number. And what is going to happen is when the when the, the returns processes originated, the pharmacy will have to include that serial number mm -hmm. when they are creating the return request. Okay. So that check will be done on the front end versus, you know, we don't want to have the pharmacy ship the product and then we ship it back. And, you know, we have that back and forth um, that will happen in the beginning. Now, this will be different for 340B product um, the and different meaning if your pharmacy has a 340B account, remembering that the product has to be returned against the ship to sold to. Mm -hmm. So understanding, you know, that serial number has to be tied to the correct account. Okay, no, that, that makes sense. Um... I just thought of another scenario that I was thinking about because sometimes other pharmacies will either sell a product to another pharmacy if they, you know, if there's pharmacies in need. So if a pharmacy sells a product to another pharmacy, do all the tracing requirements related to transaction history, all that information, does all that apply to that transaction as well? So the the pharmacy that is selling to the second pharmacy, they would have to pass that information along mm -hmm. to the pharmacy that is purchasing. So I'm not exactly sure how <laughs> the pharmacies would handle that. Um, you know, if it's, that would be something that they would have to figure out how to send that transaction data. And how about any impact on 340B returns? How does that work? So if a, so I just wanna make sure I understand. So if a pharmacy were to sell to an, like if a 340B was to sell to another 340B account, is that what mm -hmm. you mean? Yes. It's still, they would still have to send the transaction data to that 340. They would have to figure out. Now, the part that gets a little bit more complicated is the covered entity has the transaction data, meaning they are purchasing the product and they have to agree to share that transaction data with 
the contract pharmacy. So the covered entity would have to then pass along that transaction data if it's a different covered entity or you know within their network um, to remain compliant from that piece of it, from having the DSTSA transaction data following the product. Okay, I mean, that's, yeah, I, I mean, if I'm kind of throwing a lot out here to, I just trying to get as much, you know, scenarios and information for the listeners oh, yes. as I can. Yep. <laughs> just, no, just, just, yeah, just trying to figure it's out like every little, yeah, <laughs> it's very like complicated. <laughs> every little scenario that could help. Um, so we went through a lot. So I guess what I would like to do here, Morgan, is just maybe kind of wrap up everything in a, in a nice little tight bow here as far as what they need to do next and um, how do we, you know, what, what do we tell the, the pharmacists to do as soon as they're done listening uh, to this uh, podcast? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Um, so, I would say, you know, thinking through November is going to be here before we know it. There's a lot of a lot of activity that's going on. Uh, the the most important thing will be sharing that GLN information. So as soon as we have all of that completed, we will be getting that out to uh, the retail independent pharmacies um, through your sales reps, and then also, you know, determining how you want to receive the data. If it is utilizing the web portal, then there's no action needed. You know, you have access to that today. Um, if you choose to go through the EPCIS route, then, um, you know, definitely getting in contact with your sales rep. We will be sending out communication um, in about two weeks, in maybe the beginning of May, on how to actually set up EPCIS um, with Cardinal. So look forward to that communication. Um, there are several resources that we will be sharing. Um, we do have a website. So we have a frequently asked questions section, what you should be doing. Um, it, it's really being up, you know, utilized and updated as new things come up, because as we know, you know, with any legislation and regulations, you know, things are changing or being updated. So continue just to check in and make sure, you know, if anything has changed, you know, we'll be communicating that. But if you have questions, you know, certainly reach out. We have, um, you know, various ways that you can do that through the, the website. And then also, um, you know, we will be at RBC. So come with your questions. We will have a booth. Uh, we will have you know, some, I think, some dedicated time to, um, you know, provide any industry updates, any updates, you know, that that we need to communicate accordingly. And then, um, you know, just reach out with any questions. We're here to support. Well, thank you so much, Morgan. Uh, that's, I know it's a ton of information for everyone to digest, but I'm hope that the listeners have got all the information they need and just just heard how important it is to, you know, to, to get everything done that we can here before uh, the changes go into effect on November 27th. So I really want to say thanks to Morgan McCullough for joining us on the show and for providing her wealth of knowledge and experience 
about DSCSA. Still got to get all these acronyms in, in line here. <laughs> yeah, we actually, I think, have a list, an ongoing list. So if, if that's needed, <laughs> um, that is a resource. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you helping out all the listeners and independent pharmacists who needed kind of a crash course in this new and upcoming uh, legislation. So to all of you listening, thanks for subscribing to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and learned a lot like I did. Please make sure you subscribe and download the podcast and we will see you right here on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Bye.